0: Amen. Merry Christmas. All right. Well, we are continuing our study called In His Name. As a church family, we've been looking at the names of God, recorded all throughout Scripture. And we believe that God reveals himself to us by revealing his names to us. And so we've been looking, uh, and in the very beginning, the first name of God that's recorded in the book of Genesis, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the name is Elohim, Elohim, and it means the almighty creating God. And we looked at that name. Then we looked at the name Adonai, which means Lord of all. And Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. We submit to his rule and his reign in our lives. We looked at the name Jehovah or Yahweh, and the name Jehovah or Yahweh literally means I am. God says, I am. He is the all-existing, pre-existing, forever-existing. Before time began, he was. And when time ends, he will be. He is I am. It's also the name that he chose to reveal himself to Moses. And I am Yahweh is the covenant-making, promise-keeping, self-revealing God. And, And we looked at some some names where this name Yahweh or Jehovah is combined with other words. We looked at Jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord, our shepherd. We looked at Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord, our banner, and Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And as we studied each of these names, we've we've gotten to know who God is a little bit better as he's revealed himself to us through his names. And These past few weeks, we've been looking in the book of Isaiah at some names that are revealed to us by Isaiah the prophet. The book of Isaiah was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. We talked about this idea of of birth announcements. Um, There's there's several families in our church right now who are expecting babies. And you know, they get, woo, yeah, we got one in the sound booth up there, You know, and you send out birth announcement cards coming soon, right? We, we talked about that. But 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Isaiah told us that a child will be born. In fact, here's what he says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That name means God with us. And in the book of Matthew, we, we see the account of Jesus' birth recorded by Matthew. And Matthew tells us that an angel appeared to Joseph and he said this to Joseph She, your wife, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So we've been looking at this name, Emmanuel, God with us, and we've come to understand that Emmanuel is Jesus Christ. He is God with us. He is God in human flesh. He came to be with us, near us, to, to touch us, and and serve us. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. He came to seek us out. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. He came to set the captive free. He came to be with us. We looked at the reality that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. And we also looked at the fact that Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, is a king. And so we looked in in Isaiah chapter 9, and we saw that, that he came to be a king, to rule and to reign. And there is a spiritual reality to the kingdom of God in our lives today. But one day, the kingdom of God will be a real and literal kingdom where Jesus Christ will sit on the throne, and he will make every wrong right. We looked in Revelation chapter 21 and we saw that he will wipe away every tear from every eye. There will be no sickness or death and he will rule and reign with justice because he is the king. Emmanuel, God with us, is the king and Emmanuel is Jesus Christ. Then we looked at Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and here's what it says, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor. And we looked at those two words, those two names for Jesus last week Wonderful Counselor. And we asked, Is he wonderful to you? And we asked, Is he your counselor? Are you allowing him to lead and guide in your life? Today we're going to look at the rest of this verse. He is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to look at these three names for Jesus this morning. We're going to ask him to reveal himself to us by revealing these names to us that we would experience him as our mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for our time already together where we've been able to celebrate new life through baptism. What, what a privilege and what an honor to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, we've got to serve our neighbors here in Cimarron and in Sanford and all over Central Florida this past week at Englewood Elementary School by loving and, and sharing in your blessing. Lord, we got to worship you and declare glory to God. Joyful, joyful, we adore you. You are the king of our heart. You are good. Lord, now as we turn to your word, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active. That it is sharper than any two-edged sword, any surgeon's scalpel. And it can reveal the intents and thoughts of our heart. So, Lord, this morning, change our thoughts. Change our heart. Make us more like you, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. Well, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Every time I read that verse, I just want to break into the hallelujah chorus. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, it's, I mean, it's everything I can do to restrain myself right now, but I'm, I'm going I'm to withhold. All right. So we're going to look at these three names. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mighty God. We've already seen that this verse in Isaiah chapter 9 is referring, is, is pointing us back to Emmanuel from Isaiah chapter 7. And we understand that Emmanuel is Jesus Christ. And so as we look at these names, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, we need to understand this morning that they are referring to Jesus Christ. And the first name is this, Mighty God. What God is revealing to us this morning through that name is the important reality that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Now, that's hard for us to comprehend, but who has ever understood the mind of God? But it's important this morning, and, and we're going to talk about this reality that Jesus Christ is God. There are, there are so many people in our world who like Jesus you know, they think Jesus is a good teacher, they think Jesus is a, is a really great guy, he's really wise, he had some really good stuff to say. They like the part about, about love your neighbor, and they like the part even about love your enemy, I mean, that sounds pretty radical. They like, they like so many of, of the, the ways that Jesus served people, loved people. But they don't like the idea that Jesus is God, and so they try to turn Jesus into just this wise teacher, this kind of guru. But that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is God. And when we try to separate the deity or the Godhood of Jesus from who he is, then he's just another guy and he doesn't have the power to save us he doesn't have the power to transform our lives this morning we need to understand that Jesus is God if Jesus is God then we submit to him as God Here's here's a few realities from Scripture that that tell us and point to the fact that Jesus is God. Number one, he was instrumental in creation. Jesus was there at creation. John 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word, Word, (laughs) right there, is logos. Jesus was the logos of God. Guess what word we get from the word logos? Logo, right? Whenever you see the Nike swoosh, you know, oh, that's Nike. Whenever you see the the Coca-Cola logo, you know, that stands for Coca-Cola. Whenever you see the little apple with a bite out of it, you know, that's, you know, Mac, Apple computer. We, We see logos and we know what they're associated with. And when we see Jesus Christ, we have seen the Father. He is the, the essence of God. He, Jesus told us, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the Logos. He was with God at the beginning. Verse 3 says, all things were created through him. Apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. He was instrumental in creation because he was God. Jesus didn't become a God. There's a lot of people who would, who would like you to believe that Jesus was just a guy and, and then over time you know people started saying all these things about him and they kind of built up this myth around who Jesus was and, and and he became like a god, but he was never really God. there are other people who would like you to believe that that Jesus was born a man and then God somehow granted deity to him but he was not pre-existent he was not eternally existent. he had a starting point but Jesus didn't wasn't created and then became God. Jesus is and was God from the very beginning of time. He was with God in the beginning. All things that were created were created through him. He is not like God. He is equal to God. John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus simply says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. One in essence, one in Reality, Jesus is God. John 14, verses 9 through 11, Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time and you don't know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you I don't speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. I am equal with God. Jesus is God. I, just everybody say that when they say, Jesus is God. One, two, three. Jesus is, God. Jesus is God, He is the mighty God. Now, for those of you who have been in church a while, you're like, good, I got that. I'm on board with that. Good, good, I like that one. Now, the the next name here is is a little more challenging, and it's Everlasting Father. Jesus is God, but we believe that the Bible clearly teaches that the Godhead exists in the Trinity, God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, when we baptized this morning, we, we baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is God, but Jesus is not the Father. Okay, everybody with me? Because we're, we're going to get a little technical today. Jesus is God, but Jesus is not the Father. Now, how does this work? How can there be one God in, in three distinct Persons, I don't know, <laughs> but God clearly teaches that he is a trinity, that he exists in three distinct persons. The Bible clearly teaches that God is one, existing eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sharing equally in essence, power, glory, and perfection. Now, this verse is talking about Jesus, refers to him as mighty God, and we're like, okay, good, like that one. Then it says that he is the eternal Father. Well, Jesus is God, but he's not the Father, so what do we do with this verse? Well, I would like to propose to you this morning that this verse is talking about the reality of Jesus as The father or founder of a new covenant. Have you ever heard somebody referred to as the father of something? I mean, James Brown is the godfather of soul, right? I feel good. Yeah. Florence Nightingale is referred to as the mother of modern nursing. In our nation, we have founding fathers, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin, all these guys. They're referred to as as the father of something or the mother of something. And and I believe that this is is talking about Jesus as the father or the founder of a new way, a new covenant. Romans chapter 5 tells us this. Verse 12 says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way death spread to all people because all sin. Now, let me pause right there. We have a spiritual father named Adam. Adam and Eve were the first humans. God created them in his image. Scripture tells us in Genesis that Adam and Eve chose to turn their back on God and disobey him. He said, I've created everything for you except for one thing. There's one tree and I command you not to eat of it. It is my will for you. It is my best for you because if you do, everything changes. Adam and Eve chose to disregard God's clear command in their life and to disobey him. And through their disobedience... Sin entered in. That's why this verse of Romans 5 says, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way death spread to all people because all sinned. Adam is a spiritual father to the human race. Because Adam is our father, we are born into sin. Now, Adam is not my father. My dad is named Dave Janney. But he is a father, a father of of this spiritual condition of darkness and death. So Romans 5 says, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. Now, let's go to verse 18 because it says this. So then, as through one trespass or sin, there is condemnation for everyone. We're talking about Adam. So also, through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. Now, what is this righteous act? Verse 19 says, just as through one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners So, also through one man's obedience, who is that man? That is Jesus Christ. Many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass. So, the law of God came along to tell us hey, you're a sinner, you're born in sin. The law says honor your father and your mother. And when we don't honor our father and our mother, then we know we're a sinner. The law says, do not commit adultery. So we know if we commit adultery, we're living in sin. Not only that, Jesus comes along and he says, you heard the law say, don't commit adultery. Well, I say, if you even have lust in your heart towards someone who is not your husband or wife, then you've already committed adultery. Jesus says, the law said, don't murder. But I say, if you have hatred in your heart toward a brother or sister, you've already committed murder. The law tells us that, man, we don't measure up. It makes us aware of our sin. Verse 20, the law came along to multiply the trespass. Multiply, that means amplify, make us aware. But where sin multiplied, I love this. Where sin multiplied was amplified. Grace multiplied even more. Amen. Where sin runs deep, grace is more. So that just as sin reigned in death through our Father Adam, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Adam is a spiritual father that ushered in death, the spiritual condition of being separated from God. And Jesus ushered in a new covenant of fellowship with God, of reconciliation. He was the founder, the father of a new covenant. That new covenant, that new way came through the shedding of his blood. Luke 22, verse 20, in the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Jesus became a sacrifice. He freely gave himself to be crucified, nailed to a cross so that his blood would pay the penalty for our sin. The payment for sin is death, Scripture says, Romans 6.23. The penalty, the just desert of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He died the death that we couldn't die, a holy and perfect and righteous death on the cross. And his blood ushered in a new covenant that's why hebrews 10 verses 19 and 20 says therefore brothers and sisters we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of jesus he has inaugurated or ushered in for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh jesus christ is the founder the father of a new covenant Hebrews 12, 1 says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the the founder, the author of our faith. He is the everlasting father. The father of a new covenant, a new way. He is the mighty God, the everlasting father. Finally, he is the prince of peace. Through Jesus, we have peace with God. Ephesians 2, verses 13 and 14 says this But now in Christ, you who were once far away, dead in your sins because of the fall, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, which ushers in a new covenant, uh, for he is our peace. Doesn't get much simpler than that. He is our peace. We don't have to interpret that. He is our peace. He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He is our peace. Everybody say that with me. He is our peace. One, two, three. He is our peace. He is God. He is ushered in a new way, and he is our peace. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ. This verse tells us how we can experience the Prince of Peace how we can experience the everlasting Father, how we can experience the mighty God. This verse tells us, since we have been justified by faith, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. The way we experience peace with God, the way we experience the reality of him being our peace is through faith, this scripture says. We are justified by faith. Faith is putting our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. So many times in life, we put our faith and our hope in our own effort, in our own good works. Sometimes we put our faith in success, We put our faith in notoriety or or in um, popularity, acclaim. And so we do whatever we have to do to be successful by the world's standards. We do whatever we have to do to make the amount of money that we think is going to give us prominence. We do whatever we have to do to get ourselves in front of as many people as possible when when you ask especially young people what what is what is your greatest desire in life people don't say wealth anymore people say i, I want to be famous and so we have every reality show under the sun we got the voice we got american idol we've got and then there's a bunch of other singing shows america's got talent we've got shows where people get on and act like total fools, <laughs> the, we have the, the bachelor and the bachelorette, and people just do whatever they have to do to be seen, to be famous, debase themselves, because that's what they've put their faith in. When we put our faith in pleasure, that that life just needs to be feel good and be fun all the time. Then we pursue all kinds of things that, that numb out the realities of life and just cause us to be able to experience what we think is pleasure. When life is just about us, we disregard. God's clear direction for our life, the God who created us and knows what's best for us. And we do whatever we have to do to make ourselves feel good because that's what we've put our faith in. And so what it means to put our faith in Jesus is that we turn from that stuff. We repent of that stuff and we say, God, this I, I'm, I'm trying to save myself. I'm I'm trying to make life meaningful through all of these other pursuits instead of pursuing you, instead of putting my faith in you. So we can be justified through faith, but that faith means faith in him. Not in the pleasures and pursuits of this life, not in the things that we have been deceived into believing will give us joy, but him. And when we will put our faith in him, then we will begin to experience his peace. Put Romans 5.1 back on the screen. We have been justified by faith. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That peace with God doesn't come until we are justified by faith. So maybe this morning God is speaking to somebody. Maybe maybe you've been asking, why why don't I experience peace? I I thought I was supposed to experience peace. Maybe it's because you're putting your faith in the wrong thing this morning. Maybe it's because you're putting your faith in the pursuits of this life instead of the pursuit of God. Because when we have been justified by faith, we will have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the mighty God. Jesus is God. The reason it's so important that Jesus is God is because he can't give us peace. He can't save us. He can't wipe away the penalty of our sin through his blood if he's not God. But he is God. And he came in human flesh to seek and to save those who are lost. The mighty God, Jesus Christ, became the father of a new covenant. He ushered in a new and living way through his blood So that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And he is our prince of peace. We have been justified by faith and so we can have peace with God. But this morning we've got to put our faith in him. We've got to put our faith in him and we've got to turn from the other things in our life that we have put our faith in. And I want to read one more passage as we close this morning. It's really a a benediction. It's a blessing for us. Out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, let the peace of Christ, to to which you were also called in one body, rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. we put our faith in Jesus, we can have peace with God. But then we live out that faith by allowing the peace of God to rule and reign in our hearts. How do we do that, believer? We let God's word dwell in us richly. We let God's word be our counselor, be the thing that guides our life. We worship the Lord through song, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, as Scripture says. We Do all things in the name of Jesus. We don't do it in our name. We do it in his name. It's not about building my name, my reputation, but building his. And we give thanks to God through Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to sing just a song of commitment and dedication. Have a time of prayer. But this morning maybe there's some in here who are not experiencing the peace that you thought you were supposed to experience. Maybe for some of you it's because you've never put your faith in the Prince of Peace. Maybe you acknowledge him. Maybe you say, Yeah, 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 I know Jesus is God. I get that. And yes, I believe Jesus came to make a way, a new way for us. I I I get that. And I, I even believe that He is came to bring peace. but you haven't put your faith in him. You've been putting your faith in a lot of other things. Trying to find significance, trying to find meaning, trying to find hope, trying to find joy, trying to find peace. But until you put your faith in him, and let go of all those other things, you will never experience the prince of peace. Some of you have put your faith in Jesus, trusted him as Savior. Colossians 3 tells us that if we want to let him rule and reign in our lives, that we'll allow his word to guide our lives, that we'll worship and encourage each other through songs hymns, spiritual songs, that we will do everything in his name, not our own name. Don't build your own name. Don't try to make your own name famous. Make his name famous. We'll give thanks to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to stand with me. We're just going to have a time of prayer and commitment. In just a moment when I pray, there may be some of you who want to Make a decision today. Want to make a commitment today. Want to ask God to help you grow to know him as the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If you'd like to, you can come down here to the front and pray. There will be those who will be willing to pray for you if that's your desire. Maybe there will be someone who says, I need to put my faith in Jesus as Savior. I'll be right down here in the front. And, man, nothing would give me more joy than to help you know Jesus as Savior, to put your faith in him. But as we sing, I I invite you to commit yourself to the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Jesus, we thank you that you are God. That everything that has been made was made through you. And though you were God, you laid aside the glory of heaven to put on human flesh. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. You were the king who left the throne. to redeem us. You are the everlasting Father. You are the Father of a new covenant, a new and a better way, the new and living way. We are not under our spiritual Father Adam who ushered in death, but under you who ushered in life and peace. And so we turn to you, put our faith in you, Lord, thank you for the reality that when we have been justified by faith that you are our prince of peace. In all of the difficulty and turmoil of life, you are our peace. We thank you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you a couple questions so I can pray for you this morning. Is there anybody who says this morning, I-, I need to experience the Prince of Peace this morning. There's challenges in my life and I just need to experience the reality of God's peace in my life. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and let me pray for you this morning. Whoever you are in here. Amen. Praise God I see you. Praise God. Praise God I see you this morning. Amen. 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 Well Lord I, I pray for these individuals who would raise their hand. God, I I pray that they would experience your peace, that they would let your word dwell in them richly, that they would worship you and encourage one another through worship, that they would do everything that they do in your name and for your name, that they would give thanks to you. Lord, for anyone in here this morning who needs to put their faith in you, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and that they would respond this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be here in the front if anybody wants to pray. The the altars are open. Come spend some time with the Lord.